Hi, I'm Matt with uh, Sabbath Lounge, and uh, James and Leah asked uh, me to uh, give kind of my testimony, my background of how I came into Torah, and uh, appreciate them giving me the opportunity to be on Fiery Faith Ministries, and uh, hope that uh, you're encouraged and edified and blessed uh, from this conversation. You know, my faith journey really began uh, when I was a small child. I grew up uh, with grandparents that took me to church. I grew up with uh, grandparents that uh, they were the kind of people that they were there every time the doors were open. So we went twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday. And uh, I grew up in the Church of Christ denomination. And my grandparents were farmers. They worked hard. And I spent a lot of time with them. I spent the summers with them, and at different times in my growing up, uh, my mother and I found ourselves living with my grandparents. During the summer, I would, um, you know, be on the farm, and every day during, you know, uh, during lunch, there was a siesta, and my grandmother would um, lay down with me and read me scripture. And I vividly remember her reading from a, a Bible, a children's Bible that she had with pictures, which I liked. And uh, I remember her going through the Exodus story with me. And I just remember that really standing out in my, in my brain and uh, made a big impression on me. But everywhere my grandfather, great-grandfather went, I was with him. I tried to be just, I was practically under his feet uh, all the time. And I just loved uh, spending time with him. Uh, I didn't have a father figure. Uh, he was the, you know, the first father figure that I really had. So my real dad was pretty much out of the picture by then. But uh, eventually, uh, we had to move away from the farm. And as, as we moved away from the farm, my great-grandmother, she told me, she said, Matt, now here's what you need to do. She said, you need to pray for someone to take you to church. There'll be somebody that can take you to church. And, and I took her words to heart, and, uh, and I did. I prayed that, uh, that, that God would send somebody to me uh, that could take me to church. And so uh, I, I committed to that, and I stayed with that, and, uh, and, and I continued to pray for that. And we eventually ended up moving from my great-grandparents, and we lived elsewhere. And uh, one day I'm riding the school bus, and there's this uh, young boy that gets on the school bus, and he's got red hair, big glasses, and, and, and uh, distinguishing features, he has his little sister with him, and uh, no one would let them sit down on the bus. Everyone was like, oh, you can't sit here. Uh, we don't have enough room. So I decided to uh, let him sit with me. Well, we begin to discuss and have conversations and talk about, hey, you, you play with toy tractors? I do too. No way. And then we talked about how we like to be on a farm. We're like, I love farming. I want to be a farmer. And so we had all that in common, and then it's like, where do you go to church? I go to the Church of Christ. What? No way. That's where I go. And so like everything that we said, the other one was just like, wow, that is me. That is what I want to do. So it was, you know, we hit it off from the very beginning. And then we're like, all right, every day we're doing this again. On the bus, same time, same place, every day we're riding together. So... That afternoon, that evening, he came home and he told his mom, he said, Mom, I met this kid 
and he would go to church with us every time the doors are open if we'd be willing to go pick him up. And it was pretty hard for her to argue with that. And she said, yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. We'll go, we'll, we'll pick him up and uh, we, can, we can make that happen for him. So next thing you know, uh, every time the doors are open at church, they're picking me up. They're taking me. You know, they're driving 30, 40 minutes out of their way to pick me up and take me to church. And wherever they went to church, that's where I went to. And along that along that journey then soon you know i had a horse uh, and, a, and a little pony where i lived and i would ride that pony over in the afternoons and we would play uh, toy tractors in the dirt uh, and so uh, you know we we became best friends quickly and uh, my life was kind of crazy at home and it wasn't uh, what what i knew that it should be so i began to pray also you know the first prayer worked out pretty good i prayed God sent me somebody to take me to church. Boom, it happened. So now I'm like, okay, what else can we do here? So I prayed that God would send me a, a father. And um, he did. And the second father, my, my first uh, father spiritually was my great-grandfather, Carl Chafin. And then my second grandfather, my second father, is uh, Alvin Mowdy. And so Alvin, I spent a lot of time with Alvin. And, and uh, this, the young man that I'm referring to is Gabe. And uh, so Gabe Mowdy and Alvin Mowdy, I, I, I began to spend a lot of time with them and spending time on the farm. And I just I was with them every chance I could get. And then, you know, the weekend would roll around about Friday evening. I'd be like, hey, uh, I'd call them up and go, hey, what y'all doing? Um, oh, y'all are, y'all are hanging out watching Dukes of Hazard. Oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. And I was kind of fishing a little bit for uh, an invite to come hang out. And I'd be like, hey, mom, um, they're having... Uh, pizza and they're watching Dukes of Hazard and they want me to come over. Can I go over and spend the night? And of course my mother said yes. And so that became a pretty regular occurrence. And they also began to learn a little bit more about me. And they realized that this was kind of an escape for me to, uh, to get out of some of the craziness that I was in. So uh, the Maudi family became a home away from home for me. Uh, I, they eventually ended up having an extra bed for me because I was there so much. And my mother always provided for me, and she always took care of me and always made sure I had what I needed. But uh, not all the time could she, could she give me everything that I needed, and she knew that. And so there were times in my life when she would have to call up the Maudis and go, Hey, um can can Matt stay with y'all for a few months because I, I need to get on my feet and I need to get ahead of some bills and so so I would do that and I, I would go over and hang out with the Mounties and um, but I continued to have hope that one day that God would send me a father. I kept praying for a father, even though I didn't realize at the at this time that Alvin was the father I had been praying for. Well, we moved around a lot, and by the time I was like 12, 13 years old, my, my mother was working on her third husband. And uh, so my, my mother uh, grew up going to church, and she grew up uh, learning, uh, you know, she grew up with a, um, with a faith and a, a desire to, to, uh, to do those things. But as she got older, she just, she had kind of lost her way, lost her faith with it. 
and no longer attended or was interested in those things. But I continued to pray that I would have a family that went to church. I, I continued to pray that I had a family that loved God and that would pursue God. And so I prayed day after day, you know, and all the while, looking back on it, I realized he, he gave me my grandfather, Carl, then he gave me Alvin. Well, eventually, as I, as I got older, my mother at some point realized that she could no longer care for me. So she went to, uh, to Alvin and Jill and she told them, she said, look, I, I can't care for Matt the way he needs to be cared for. And she signed over custody. And so when I was in high school, I was about 15 years old. She signed over legal custody to me to the Mounties. And, um, you know, it was, I had mixed emotions about it. I was excited that, that God answered my prayer and I had a godly family and a godly father. But I was a little sad, you know, because I knew that this was different uh, and that uh, my relationship with my mother was going to be different from here on out. So, unfortunately, it wasn't long after that that she committed suicide. And um, the Maudies were there for me and helped me get through that difficult time in my life. So, you know, I basically grew up overnight and learned how to be a man, had to kind of be my own person, be my own, uh, set my own destiny. But luckily, Yah had uh, set me up for that and given me all the tools that I needed to be successful in, in life. And so I became an, an honorary member of the Mounties. I, I became grafted in, looking back on it, and uh, I now realize that I was learning what it meant to be grafted in. Um, and so if you have an experience like that, you, you know what being grafted in is like. And so it was such a blessing uh, to me, and they, they really helped me through that difficult time. They helped get me through my formative years, helped get me to graduation, and so I graduated, and then I went on to a private Christian school, and uh, at that private Christian school, uh, Lubbock Christian University, I later meet uh, my soon-to-be wife, and we start dating, and one of the first things she asked me to do, I don't even think we were dating, and she said, hey, will you come home with me? Uh, My mom said, I can't make the four-and-a-half-hour drive by myself. I have to have somebody ride with me. I'm like, sure, I'll go with you. So I can remember to this day that I went and saw her dad's place and saw his cows and drove around and looked at, looked at everything. And I still remember walking across that living room and shaking his hand for the first time. And, and, and I knew that, I was, this was, that this was my family, that I had found family. And, um, you know, basically that prayer so long ago that I asked God to send me a godly father. Well, he not only sent me one, he sent me three. He sent my grandfather, uh, Carl and Alvin, and now Alan, uh, my father-in-law. So he answered that prayer in a mighty way. And so, you know, he taught, he gave each man taught me something different about his attributes and his love. And they taught me everything from how to control your anger to um, how to manage finances and how to do an old school ledger uh, to uh, working on a car and how to build stuff. And um, so, so it took all of those guys, took three men <laughs> to help me uh, get to, uh, to, to a point where I was, was, was starting to be okay. So, we got married, and I was. Uh, we were very much involved in the Church of Christ. I was a youth minister. I was a deacon. We were. They, they. We were there every time the doors were open. My kids went to everything, did everything. We were busy people, but I continued to grow, and I continued to study, and I continued to seek out truth. And uh, I 
continued to have my eyes open and the people around me sometimes are just like, I don't know, Matt, that's crazy. I, I don't, you know, I don't know about that. And I was causing them lots of grief and pain. And finally, my wife and I kind of looked around one day and we're like, why are we doing this? We're driving them crazy. And, uh, uh, let's, let's get out of here. Let's, uh, let's do something different. So, so we pulled out of, uh, you know, regular church and, um, we I resigned from being a deacon and, uh, we walked away from that. And, um, you know, I, I was pretty convinced I wasn't ever going to do church again. And, uh, I was like done with church. It wasn't long after that we began a, um, a non-denominational fellowship with some other people. We got involved in that, just like before. We soon found ourselves doing everything, setting it up, tearing it down, teaching. My wife was teaching Bible class. I was helping to play in the worship band, and we were doing, you know, all kind, you know, help, helping to do teaching and a website and talking to people. I mean, that was just, I did all those things. And one of the things that we wanted to do along the way was to have a community fellowship where we got together with all the churches in our area and have a fellowship at the park. And during that process, I realized that most people weren't willing to give up the butts and the seat on Sunday morning because that means the pastor wasn't going to get paid. The bills weren't going to get paid. Uh, they couldn't keep the lights on in the church if they did that. So so people, those churches really weren't willing to be out of the box. They, they said they were out of the box, but they, they couldn't do it. And, and now I understand the animal a little bit, you know, and that's when I started realizing, hey, church is a business in a lot of ways. And and that made me start thinking about it. And we went through a time of prayer and fasting, and we finally came to the conclusion, hey, all the things that we left regular church for, we just came out and we did it all over again. It just had a, it was a different flavor of church, but it was still church. It was still the same thing. So we broke out of that, and uh, we began to do just like a home fellowship. And during this home fellowship, we, we studied, and we were still eating uh, unclean. And uh, during this process, we did this with uh, my wife's parents. And we kind of went on this journey together where we just started studying. And we went, hey, let's go back to the beginning of the book. And we started reading Genesis. And we'd come to those passages like Passover where it says, do this forever. We're like, hey, what, what does that mean, do this forever? And, and we came across those passages to the Sabbath. And we started researching how the Sabbath was changed. We started listening to people like Rob Skiba. We started learning how... Um, you know, the beast feast came about and our eyes really got opened and that was easy for me. I was like, as soon as I found out, uh, you know, my wife was on board with getting rid of Christmas and Easter. I was like, heck yeah, I've been wanting to do this my whole life. I never liked any of this. So that was easy. And then resting on Sabbath, that was easy. Not a problem. I researched that and came to the conclusion. Yeah, we, it makes sense that we should have always been resting on the seventh day. So, but there were still some things I struggled with and I would argue a lot. Um, probably I was a little bit behind the rest of my family, a little bit behind my, my wife and even my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law would argue, her and I would argue about different things. And finally, while I'm reading through the Torah, I read the scripture about how they were a mixed multitude because my big hang up was the Jew thing. I was like, I'm not a Jew. I don't want to be a Jew. I'm not trying to be a Jew. And so that was a real hang up for me. And once I researched that uh, they were a mixed multitude when they leave Egypt, I was like, oh, this is a game changer. And then it really began to click and I really bought into it full, full scale. And so I was teaching school at the time. 
And uh, I, I had the privilege and honor of teaching my youngest son, and he was in my class. And we served breakfast in the classroom. And one day we're serving breakfast, and this kid came up to me. He's like, "Hey, Mr. Cook, I can't eat that. I can't eat that pizza." I was like, "Why can't you eat the breakfast pizza?" And he's like, because it's got pork on it. I was like, oh, tell me more. Why, why can't you eat pork? And I didn't really know what he was going to say. And he's like, well, because we follow Torah. I was like, oh, wow. And I told that kid, I was like, guess what? I do too. And then I called my son over. I was like, hey, hey, come over, come over here. you got to meet this kid. You have to be friends with him. And so uh, immediately, luckily, they did hit up a friendship, and they liked each other, enjoyed spending time. And pretty soon we're spending birthday parties with them, and we get to know their parents and their family. And sure enough, there are people who uh, keep Shabbat and keep the feast and follow Torah. And they had a bunch of kids. We had a bunch of kids. I'm like, hey, what do you do on Saturday? And they're like, nothing. And we're like, oh. Well, let's have a Torah fellowship. And so we started in our house, and we would alternate houses and alternate cooking between the two. And just, you know, when you put our two families together, there's like 10 of us. So there was a lot of us, and it it just didn't take long, and we had some people. And over time, we've continued to do that. And so uh, about that time, I began a website and Sabbath Lounge. Uh, YouTube and podcast and, and and most of that has begun just with a way for me to express the studies that I've been doing and the things that I've been learning and the things that I've questioned and uh, the things that I ponder. So so that's kind of where all that began, and uh, and so now we have multiple families and we we trade and uh, take turns. Um, hosting those fellowships and we do like a potluck meal and uh, it works out pretty good and so we realized for a while we just did it ourselves at our house and and it became a lot of work uh, to prepare your house every week uh, for for a shabbat study and so one of the things coming out of church we realized is, is we didn't want a pastor we didn't want a building. We didn't want those bills. We didn't. We didn't want all of those things that come with that. Um, we knew we didn't want a five hundred one three C. We wanted to keep it very simple, very organic, uh, and and um, with the ability to grow. And, and and the way we did that is we decided um, if we just were the only family that hosted, other families would not get to experience hospitality and understand how this works. And so now we have. You know, we've had three to four, maybe even a few times we had five different houses. Well, I think we've just mostly had four houses that we rotate through, but but uh, but each house has an opportunity to host it and, and to kind of experience what that's like, and there's blessings that come with it, and there's also some work, you know, to get your house ready. But the, the blessings far outweigh the... Um, you know the trouble that it is so it's it's a great blessing and and so that works really well for our group and we're able to not have a you know have a guy each each group is autonomous and so if somebody wants to come into our group the the person that hosts the group they've got to uh, call that person and, and and try to get to know each other and see if this is see if they want them in their house because we feel like the 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 people uh, that uh, host the fellowship they're kind of the gatekeepers and and um and so um that you know because when you have it in your house it's a little different than having it at a church you know and so that's something different about us um but uh, uh that but that's kind of um you know my testimony in a nutshell how i went from being a um 
you know, a kid growing up in Christ, typical Christianity, going to church all the time, being a youth minister, being a deacon, uh, to uh, plan, help planning a church, to walking into Torah. And uh, by far, walking in Torah, I found it to be more, uh, just much deeper, more meaningful. And the feast and the the all of those things come come to life uh, and, and you just see Yeshua all over everything and so just a tremendous blessing uh, to to um to, to join this and you know what I love about Shabbat is every Shabbat you're joining millions of people around the world reading the same scripture at the same time having the same discussions and having people go you know I don't remember that or, or and, and arguing about the same things and uh, you know some of those things you know it's some sometimes uh, you can get in the weeds a little too much and you have to find a balance but but uh, but such such a rich blessing and uh, and also I, I I'm very thankful for the heritage that I have and the tradition that I grew up in it did teach me to love the the Bible and and to love God's word and I have many brothers and sisters excuse me I have many brothers and sisters in my own family that still you know are doing that and i have nothing but love and respect for them and and we get along and and so i think that's the other thing that i've learned to do is um try to be careful about about what i say and how i say it and when i say it and just pray for opportunities to to be able to shed some light because when you study the torah like this you you do have some depth and knowledge that that uh, other people just don't have, you know, people in traditional churches, they don't explore the Hebrew and they don't learn the traditions and typically, and uh, you can open up and shed some light for people who are willing. I think you just have to look for opportunities to uh, speak a little bit of truth here and there. But uh, a lot of us, you know, it's easy to become the Torah terrorist. And uh, so I definitely don't want to, don't want to be that guy, but, um, you know, that's the hardest part, I think, when you walk into this. You get excited, and you can't understand why everyone else can't see it. And, um, and not everyone is at the same place at the same time, and you weren't either. And so so we serve a, 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 Yah, a God that is very patient with us and very, very kind, very long-suffering. And so if he's patient with us, we've got to be patient with our brothers and sisters. But uh, that's a little bit about uh, Matt Cook and his uh, journey from... Uh, uh, along the way to get to Torah, and so we, we do have a, a, a podcast, a, a YouTube channel. It's called Sabbath Lounge. If you Google Sabbath Lounge, you will find it. And I'm also in the process of writing a book, and so some of the things that I that I talked about in here, it is in the book Becoming Jacob, and so Becoming Jacob will become available in the fall of 2023, and I'm doing that with Deborah Publishing. And so if you have a story, if you have something that's on your heart, especially that you think Yah has put on your heart, uh, contact Deborah Publishing. She may be able to help you uh, get your words into print. So uh, everyone's got a story, and, uh, and it needs to be told. So once again, I thank uh, Fiery Faith Ministry and James and Leah for uh, allowing us and asking us to be a part of this and to give our testimony, and it's such a powerful thing to be a part of. And I hope that you tune in to their channel and uh, look at all the great things and the, the teachings and the partial portions that they do and the people that they have on. And I just uh, pray that they continue to have great success. And once again, I thank you for allowing us to take a part of it.